Hey, what's going on? It's Matt Polis, and it's time for another episode of Meat Sauce for Tuesday, March the 2nd, 2021. This is episode number 20. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me as we have reached this next very small milestone of this podcast. You know, I will say, though, I did not start this podcast just to do 20 episodes, so I think you might be stuck with me for a little bit, of, a little while. I hope that's okay. And as always, I don't say it every week, but if you haven't yet, please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it on social media. You know, the show has been seeing some consistent viewership and growth over the last couple months, and I would love to see it continue to trend in that direction. You know, so if you've enjoyed the podcast thus far and think others may enjoy it too, you know, please let them know about it. This is kind of my shameless plug as it as it kind of seems to be the kind of thing you have to do in today's world to kind of, I don't know, not promote yourself, but kind of promote yourself, like get yourself out there because there's just so much content to absorb around the globe. It's, you know, it's hard to be, to take up people's time with, with your show. So just trying to slowly grow this thing, get more comfortable behind the mic, doing all the things that we're doing here each and every week. So uh, you know, not that I'm trying to be the next Joe Rogan or anything, you know, but I, I, I do want to kind of be that outlet of <clears throat> conversation for someone, <clears throat> excuse me, conversation for someone who might need it or that, you know, outlet of outlet of validation for someone who may be experiencing some of the same things I've been going through, you know, especially during this pandemic. So thank you for being here. I really, pre- I really appreciate all of the support thus far and cheers to the next 20. I hope the last week or so has treated you well. It's uh, It's been a little crazy for me personally. I uh, just had a lot of things to take care of. You know, I'm, I'm managing it all and trying to control what I can control and <clears throat> really not let anything get the better of me. You know, all I will say is that healthcare is really confusing when you have to go get it yourself. And that's what I've had to do over the last couple weeks. <clears throat> and it... Uh, is confusing, man. Like there's just so many ins and outs and it's probably easy for some people, but you know, there's different thresholds of, of like, you know, tax brackets and stuff. So where you are like really kind of affects how that stuff is handled. And it's a really tricky system in that sense, but it seems like everything is somewhat figured out. So, you know, all I can do is wait and see, you know, and it may sound like I'm (laughs) saying these things very calmly and and rationally, but that's because I've already kind of expressed my frustrations and and fears over the last week <laughs> in the confines of my home. So <laughs> there's that. But it uh, it's one of those things like when I have to get stuff done like that, like life things, I obsess over them and I get them done. But then I continue to obsess over them and like question, did I do it right? I have to keep going back and looking at the account. It's like, oh, I did it. I paid that. I did this. But I, I just obsess over double, triple, quadruple checking that I did it. And it's like waiting to see everything update to show me active and show me enrolled and show me like having done the right things. I just I obsess over it and it's it's really stressful. I wish I wasn't like that, but I can't seem to help it sometimes. I do want to give a quick documentary recommendation if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, Jess and I recently watched the new Billie Eilish documentary on Apple TV+. Plus. It was so good. 
and I don't, I don't want to say so good because I feel like when I say it was so good means like unreal, unbelievable. It was really good. It was it was fun to watch. It's about two hours long, but it really did fly by. You know, it was really cool to see where she comes from and how she got to where she is. You know, I, I won't spoil too much of it, but, you know, her and her brother recorded and produced her most recent album entirely in their parents' house in her brother's bedroom. And it's just crazy to think about how massive that album blew up and to know it had such humble beginnings of being created in a bedroom, you know, and it kind of gives, you know, all of us tiny, small creators out there, you know, some hope, (laughs) you know, like I'm creating this literally at our dining room table, which happens to be connected to our living room. So it's like, you know, you just never really know. So her brother is also mega talented with producing and singing and playing guitar and whatever, whatever other instruments, piano, and I guess apparently, again, I won't spoil too much, but Billy hates writing songs. And so her brother does a lot of that. But um, if you have Apple TV Plus, it is worth the watch for sure. Um, I think you can get a, a seven-day free trial if you wanted to get it just to watch for that and then just cancel the, the free trial so you don't have to pay anything. Uh, I will say if you buy a new uh, MacBook, they give you a year subscription for free. So that was kind of cool. Um, but she just, it just seems like Billie Eilish comes from like very humble beginnings, you know, in a very supportive family. And I just love seeing people who make it big, you know, when they come from, you know, again, recording a Grammy winning album in your brother's bedroom, you know, it, it just speaks volumes to the talent, you know, and maybe they had some connections that, you know, us regular people don't always have. But it's still cool. I mean, even all the way through the documentary, it's still take all like so much of it takes place at her parents' house, which is just like a small little house in L.A. You know, it's just really cool. So I, I would go watch it if you can. It's uh, it, it's fun. And her music's all obviously so catchy. You know, it's so so different than what you usually hear from somebody so young. So that's all I have about that. Uh, Let's get into this week's edition of What's on the Shelf. We are traveling once again to the state of Kentucky, shocking, and stopping at the Four Roses Distillery in Lawrenceburg. This week, we are taking a look at the Four Roses Small Batch Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. In 1884, a man by the name of Paul Jones Jr. moved moved his company to Louisville, Kentucky, and later trademarked the name Four Roses, and claimed that production and sales began back in the 1860s. In 1922, Paul Jones Company purchased the Frankfurt Distilling Company. And in 1943, the Seagram Corporation purchased the Frankfurt Distilling Company primarily to acquire the Four Roses Kentucky Straight Bourbon brand. Uh, Four Roses at the time was the top-selling bourbon in the United States in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, Seagram, for whatever reason, decided to discontinue the sale of Four Roses in the United States, and thus the product was moved to being sold in in the European and Asian markets, where it became a top-selling bourbon. Today, it it still is a top seller in both Europe and Japan, which is pretty crazy. The Four Roses brand was officially brought back to being sold in the States back in 2002 when the Kirin 
Curran, I'm not sure how to say that, brewery company, purchased the brand trademark and was named Four Roses Distillery LLC shortly after. The lineup of Four Roses includes Four Roses Kentucky Straight Bourbon, Four Roses Small Batch, and then they also have a single barrel and a small batch select in a limited edition. So the small batch, which is what we're looking at today, is is aged six to seven years and comes in at 90 proof or 45% alcohol by volume. The mash bill is said to be a blend of two different mash bills, including 75% corn, 20% rye, and 5% malted barley in the first mash bill, and then the other one containing 60% corn, 35% rye, and 5% malted barley. So that second mash bill is a little more of a high rye mash bill to kind of add some spice to it. Uh, the bourbon definitely in the bottle takes on a very, very prominent honey color, um, and it, and it's really not much darker than that. It looks very much like honey, just without the thickness of honey. It retails for about $30. I think I've seen it in Michigan for about $32. Uh, some nosing notes include your kind of your typical bourbon notes, oak, some citrus fruit, some caramel, some spice. Uh, the nose is pretty approachable as, as the notes are not overpowering at just the 90 proof. Uh, the palate is very similar as to not overpower you, but gives you an approachable and typical bourbon to sip on. Uh, it's not really complex, you know, but it is a great entry level uh, daily sipper. I uh, Personally, for me, there are other great entry level bourbons for a even a little bit cheaper of a price, you know, but this one is good to just to try and, and to see if you like it, you know, as, as there are high proof four roses. To jump up to if you like the four roses profile you know and what they put out so there's definitely you know tiers of of different ones you can try from the four roses lineup in this bottle we have here the small batches is, is actually jess's bottle and she's really liked it i mean she's almost drank the whole thing <laughs> she uh likes it with old fashions and manhattans a lot she doesn't necessarily uh like the higher proof bourbons not yet anyways um, or drinking bourbon always neat so for her, this is really perfect for old fashions, Manhattans, drinking it over ice, you know, um, and it doesn't break the bank as far as, as that goes. So she really enjoys it. I think it is a, a good entry level uh, bourbon to just to try different types of, of mash bills, different companies, see how they do it, you know, differently. And so far, you know, on this show, I've reviewed, you know, the Old Forester 86 and Wild Turkey 101. So this is comparable to that. Obviously, a lower proof than the than the one the Wild Turkey 101. Um, but again, you're going to get a different type of flavor profile. So uh, definitely worth checking out just to add to the collection and, and kind of as, as you're still trying to figure out what you like. Uh, I'm certainly still in that camp too. You know, every night that I'm drinking something different, I'm trying to decide, you know, why I like that thing that I'm drinking. And you can only do that by trying a lot of different ones. So uh, definitely would check out the Four Roses small batch from Four Roses Distillery. All right, that is this week's episode of What's on the Shelf. Now let's move on into some sports from the last week or so. News broke actually yesterday that uh, defensive end J.J. Watt has officially signed with the Arizona Cardinals on a two-year, $31 million deal uh, with $23 million of that guaranteed. It's not really a team I expected 
him to sign with. Um, but, you know, he's now reunited with DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver for the Cardinals, who also used to play for the Texans. But, man, the NFC West is pretty loaded, you know, and you have to think the 49ers will be back, especially after all the injuries they had during the 2020 season. But now you've got J.J. Watt, you've got Aaron Darnold, Donald, you've got Nick Boza, and the Seahawks don't really have that big, like, defensive lineman but but it's interesting I mean I, I'm, I'm kind of glad to see the the price that he was you know the 31 million dollars with 23 million guaranteed I'm kind of glad that the Browns stayed away from that not too uh not too bad in in that sense and now like I said last week there's still plenty of guys that the Browns can go get I would love to see then make a move at Von Miller from the Broncos, or there's several other guys, you know, a couple guys from from the Buccaneers. So that would be that would be pretty cool to think, you know, to think about Miles Garrett and Von Miller together, you know. And I think we should start seeing a lot of free agent signings and trades happening over the next few weeks in the NFL. Uh, the new NFL season starts on March the 17th at 4 p.m. And that is where free agent signings and trades can become official. So it's already been a decently active offseason so far for the NFL. And I think it's going to get a lot busier and exciting. You know, growing up, I always felt like the MLB offseason was this way. And now the NFL offseason has become so much more exciting. you got more guys switching teams. You have more, almost has like an NBA feel to it. In a different sense, you know, NBA, those guys like two or three guys travel together, the different teams, and they just like load up certain teams. NFL is still very uh, even playing field because of the salary cap and everything. But you see guys like trying to team up and go to different teams. It's starting to happen a little bit more and just makes it more fun for fans uh, to watch. So it's just another thing that they're better at than the Major League Baseball is unfortunately but looking forward to seeing what happens with with any sort of trades across the league and definitely keep you posted on on things that are happening as we go along here a couple Cincinnati Reds updates spring training has begun uh, they've currently played two games so far they lost the first game on Sunday five to one to the Cleveland Indians and I know but I know Votto had a couple hits and an RBI and I think Kyle Farmer may have had a base hit too I believe um Farmer also has a new number this year, number 17. He also <laughs> missed the bus to the game and had to ride in the car with manager David Bell to the stadium. So not exactly the type of coverage you want as you're trying to you know, win the st- starting shortstop position. <laughs> and people already are questioning whether you should be there or not in that position. Also, if you haven't seen or heard, A. Eugenio Suarez, he lost about 10 to 15 pounds this offseason. He said he felt slow last season and decided to cut a lot of things out of his diet. So he looks incredibly skinny now, you know, and, and a little bit more like the shortstop version of a Eugenio Suarez that the Reds traded for with the Tigers, you know, several years ago. So hopefully, I do worry, hopefully he can maintain the power he's had the last couple of years. I don't know if weight loss and all of that affects that at all you know his upper body still looks strong and his legs still look strong so hopefully it's just like a weight loss thing and not necessarily uh, losing muscle or any of that and if it allows him to be quicker on his feet on defense too I mean we could sure use that 
at third base. But honestly, what if he could, you know, slide over and play shortstop from time to time? Because then you can you can move all kinds of guys around. You can, you know, move Moustakas over to third base, or you could do really anything. Uh, the Reds also played yesterday. They played the Oakland A's, and I believe the, the last time I had checked in, they were losing 8-1, to one, and I think it was, like, very early in the game. So I didn't pay attention to it too much after that. But they do play tonight against the LA Angels, and that game is actually available to watch on MLB.tv. So I definitely want to tune into that and and get a get my first look at the Reds, you know, on TV live. So spring training is just kind of a hard thing to follow, you know, because it isn't really about winning ball games to the extent of what the regular season is, obviously. You know, it's it's mostly about getting back into the swing of things, you know, no pun intended and getting used to playing every day again and player development and I was looking into like some of the new rule changes for spring training this year and there's some interesting it's like weird how it how they've decided all this so I'll give you just a couple here so any game from now from the start of spring training until March 13th can be played as at least a five inning game and so you just have to play at least five innings if you want. And this is decided between the two managers of the teams that are playing against each other. And they they discuss it prior to the game. And they decide, like, you know, we just want to go five today or we want to go seven or eight or, or you want to play the full nine or you want to even play the full nine where the home team is winning and they still bat in the bottom of the ninth just to get extra at bats. So that's all decided from the managers. And then from March 14th to the end of spring training, you have to at least play a seven-inning game. So it goes from at least five innings to at least seven innings now, um, if wanted by both managers. So like I said, both managers decide this prior to the game, and it's it's really being done to prevent injury and not to overuse pitchers. You know, rosters, I from what I've heard, rosters are smaller at spring training this year because of COVID. They're trying to keep the club sizes smaller so that there's not so many people with potential spread. So due to COVID, they just have smaller rosters. So I know on Sunday, the Reds game was only eight innings long. I don't know why not playing the ninth seems kind of strange, but, and then also an inning can be ended prior to three outs. If the pitcher who is pitching has thrown at least 20 pitches in that inning. So, the defensive manager can just say the inning is over, regardless of who's on base, what's happening. If that pitcher has thrown too many pitches, they simply can just end the inning <laughs> right there. So it's like I said, it's definitely not about winning ball games at this point. It's really just trying to not uh, have too many injuries going into the start of the season and not to overuse a pitcher. You know, again, because every team has a smaller amount of players. You know, usually you have all these guys fighting for roster spots that you can just kind of throw in to pitch in the game at any point in time, but with them having smaller rosters, it's just not possible. Also, if a pitcher is taken out of the game, he can actually re-enter at a later point in the game, which you can't do in the regular season. Baseball in general, you can't do that, but I don't know. I don't know the thought process behind that. I don't really know why they are allowing a pitcher to re-enter later. Maybe it's, you know, you have a guy who's pitching who didn't throw a whole lot of pitches 
and you take him out and then the next guy comes in and ends up throwing way more than you anticipated so you just want to save him and you bring the other guy back in since he didn't throw very much you know so I'm not sure but obviously none of those these rules will extend into the regular season it's really again just a way for teams to to help prevent injury and and not to overuse pitchers you know as they're dealing with smaller rosters but it's crazy. Opening day is very, very close. The Reds open on April the 1st, which is really, really exciting. A quick side note, the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, has said that the Reds can have a 30% capacity of fans to start the 2021 season, which is really exciting. It's really, it feels, it feels like we're getting there, you know, and I think that's about... I think the Red Stadium holds forty to 42,000, I think, so that might be about twelve to 13,000 fans in the stands. So hopefully it will be expanded as the season goes on and more people get vaccinated, etc. But, man, it just feels like we're getting oh so close to somewhat of a sense of normalcy. You know, we're still probably several months away, but you can just kind of start to see the light at the end of this very, very long tunnel, you know. But other than that, not too much really happening in the sports world. You know, NCAA March Madness should be here very soon, which will be really fun to watch. I believe it starts March 18th, so keep an eye out for that. I think there's going to be quite a few different teams in the tournament this year. At least, you know, maybe a lot of the same teams we're used to seeing, but just at very different seeds than where we where we normally see them. So I think it's going to be a very interesting tournament. So I, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining me. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing and sharing the show on social media. I, again, am slowly seeing some growth in the reach with this show and would love to keep it going. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I will check in with you next week. Bye, everybody.